Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Guys, welcome to Knife Talk. This is the number one knife-related podcast on this germ-infested planet. I'm Jeff Fader with my friend, my good friend, Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts. And Craig is not here with us, unfortunately. We're going to make it without him, hopefully. This is a weekly podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts. Anybody is interested in forging, stock removal, bladesmithing, knife make, whatever you want. Don't worry about that. And uh, I'm lucky to be with my friend Mareko Mamasi. And uh, Mareko, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm tired. I'm tired, frankly. And uh, I'm tired because, yeah, you know what? Funny enough, I shouldn't be tired. I shouldn't be tired because I have a new regimen that's two, three nights old. I've been going to bed at quarter to nine. Okay. And I swear to God. I'm getting the best goddamn sleep of my life. Really? I, 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 it's just shocking. I'm getting like eight and a half, nine hours of sleep and I could not be happier. Nice. So, uh, but I am tired. I am tired. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You've been doing a lot of hard work. I saw that you had, what are you calling those little knives? The the, the EDCs you're about to drop? Dude, this is the first time, this is the first time... Um, I've been able to come up with a knife where I design the knife and the sheath together. Okay. So what I've done is I've wanted to make a knife. I, I made these little EDC knives and one of my friends who is the owner of a lumber company has one and I went to go visit him and he had it in his pocket and he's like, I love this in my pocket. I wish you had a clip that would fit onto the pocket. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So I found, I went online and I found um, these removable clips that you could add on to the, to the, the whole pattern was the same size. So I was like, I bought a couple of them and mm. I dropped it to, down to him. And I was just like, I was like, I can't believe you keep this in your pocket. He's like, yeah, I love it in my pocket. So I started to think about it. And I was just like, I, re- I always wanted to do these pocket knives and the friction folders. I don't really like to have in my pocket because there's no clip and stuff. So I was like, well, I'm going to design something that I can... And I thought about it for next year, but it's also going to be pocket friendly. So I designed the knife with the, the, the Kydex and there's all these little idiosyncrasies with Kydex, like retention. People talk about retention and the thing is the difference between Kydex and leather. And I don't want to get, feel free to hop and ask any questions. You can't put the clip past, like if you put the eyelets on past the the bolster you there's a very good chance you're going to lock the knife into the kydex which, oh i got you which happens so because you need ki- the opening to be able to have a little bit of flexibility 
Yes, it can't. Right. So if you're new to this, is you're like, what the hell is Kydex? Kydex is thermoform plastic, and it comes in sheets. And a lot of people who are into firearms, they have Kydex, and it's not leather, and it, you can wash it, and it's pretty. They're pretty easy to. It's it's a very easy entrance into 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 sheath making in general. So there's different thicknesses and different sizes and stuff like that. And you heat it up to a you know low temperature, under 300 degrees. You it gets floppy, and then you wrap it around whatever you want it to do. You put it into a press, which is just uh, foam, really. And then it, as it cools, it cools back to its original to its hardness from the when you got it as a sheet. But when you start to kind of figure out how to put the clips on, and there are companies that make the clips, you can only put it where you put it. Otherwise, literally, you lock. You can lock if you put it in. If you put the eyelets past your knuckle guard or something like that, mm-hmm. you're going to lock the fucking knife. <laughs> you lock the knife in into the thing. So, <laughs> figuring out ways in which to make it. So, so generally, what happens is with Kydex, unless you find some exotic clip, is you'll have the the uh, the clip will be below the bolster, which will make it ride high on your waist which sometimes is okay, but... So I figured, I found this design, no knuckle guards, and then it basically made the Kydex long, so it rides long on the handle. And then I found a very complimentary clip that fits in your, that rides a little bit high, and then it's got a little bit of a gooseneck. And when I made this knife, and I figured out the shape, and I figured the thickness of the material, and then the knife, I put it in my pocket. I had it in my, I've had it in my pocket for a week. I took a oh, nice. nap with it in my pocket, and I forgot it was there. <laughs> the whole thing's eight, the knife is eight inches long, and I measured the pocket. And I measured where the and it was this great thing. So the answer is, is I'm so excited. This is the first time I've been really excited in a long time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I just remember you called it the the Blackbird, right? Uh, we're gonna call it the Blackbird Shop Knife because. The colors were the, was the red wing blackbird, and I was just like, I call it right. the red wing, but then I was just like, I don't want to be confused with the shoe. You know, the obviously, boots, yeah. I'm not a big guy. It doesn't make, make a difference. So we're going to call it the blackbird shop knife, and I'm making 20 of them, and when this comes out, I'll have them uh, on, the, on the newsletter, and I got a lot of people who were interested, so it's, it was fun to kind of never really design a knife and a sheath at the same time. So that was kind of neat. Nice. A lot of problems solved. That's cool. And how are you? Yeah, doing? and I noticed the grind. You have like a. Am I mistaken? Is there kind of like a Tonto style grind yes. on that thing? Good man, good man. So I've been fucking around with the belt finish forever, and I wanted to do this knife to be very low profile, and I wanted a lot of like, I wanted there to be a lot of material past the top of the edge. So I was fucking around, and actually the design came from the friction folders. Because I've been doing, for the friction folders, I've been doing that Tonto style. Because honestly, for like a little EDC, sometimes a long skinny knife with a pointy blade isn't as, it isn't as practical as like a, you know, a very brusque edge, you know, chisel grind. And it's not too pointy. I don't really need it to be super duper pointy in the shop. And it was just like one of those things where I was doing it on the, on the friction folders and I just transferred it over and I actually just set up. We just uh, finished setting up the uh, the Broadbeck uh, 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 versatile table. Their work tat rest. It's like adjustable table. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's I've set up a jig and I've figured out the. I've, when I say I set up a jig, I figured out the like the how to set it up so it's the same every single time. And sure, you know, it's just it's this has been a fun project, frankly. Nice. 
So yeah, we're doing that, and then we did a little bit of Damasteel stuff, getting ready for the DCI Invitational, and uh, you know, we're just cracking along. How are you? I'm, I don't think I'm going to have anything for the DCI. Okay. It's all right. Well, you're going to be here. I feel bad. I don't mean, I'll be bad. there. Don't yeah, I just feel bad. I just, uh, I just couldn't make it happen That's with it. everything else. Don't so. worry about it. No big right. deal. Do you, there, everyone just going to be happy me. to see you. Everybody listening, I hope you forgive me. They're I apologize. Forgi- you, don't, you don't care about that. <laughs> don't worry about that. I, I, the funny thing is, is so I did the, uh, I did the. I actually, thankfully. Thanks to my friend uh, Tristan. That's uh, Fifth Alarm uh, for Fifth Alarm Alpha, uh, Fifth Alarm Forge. I think it's Fifth Alarm Forge. Tristan's the man. He and his wife come to a lot of classes. He sent me one, and um, I had I, I lost mine. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere around here somewhere. And I and I thought, all right, you know what? The funny thing was, I wanted to design it as the outdoor version of my little Bull Elk ML, and we're actually going to make this as a a regular design to kind of like the culinary version of this little outdoor ultralight edc so you know look being creative it's fun i i this is the most creative i've been in quite a while so it feels good well while you're on the creative kick why don't you tell us about your sculpture you've been working on what sculpture oh well i mean it's (laughs) here's the funny thing you know what i'm i tell you be honest with you I'm yeah. about to turn 50 in a mo- less than a month, and I'm <laughs> really trying. I feel good about it. I feel really <laughs> good about joking. it. My wife and I are having these great conversations. We may, I don't even want to judge it, but we may or may not do the New York City Marathon together. I, mm. I, I'm very much along the lines of I want to do it, and I know how I would make sure we could get in, but she's just kind of, she's doing a lot of running, and I know we're just kind of like, we're going to wait till the, till, Christmas is over and then make a decision. And I got a couple ins to get us in. And that's kind of like, I'm hoping to do it. But at the same time, it's like, if it does, if she doesn't want to do it, then I don't want to do it because it's so much training and you're so far away from, you're so far away from your family and your home that it's yeah. just like, it's a giant commitment. And if she's not into it and I'd rather be with her than uh, do this goddamn thing. Well, so, and, and that's one of those marathons you can't just sign up for, right? You have to, you're typically supposed to like qualify. For it's it, right? hard because there's a couple ways you can, um, you can be a member of the Roadrunners club, New York city Roadrunners club, but we've been members for years. And then you have to, you can qualify, get an instant access by doing nine of their runs in a certain year. Um, but I haven't been a member of the Rotary Club for years. You can also join like a, or, a charitable organization, and if you raise a lot of money, then they'll give you a slot. So like a company, like I did, I ran it 10 years ago. I ran it with uh, Michael J. Fox Foundation. And they, um, they had certain slots. And I had a friend on the, on the board there, and I was just like, yeah, I'll raise your fucking money. So, you know, that's... It's it may or may not happen, but back to back to that. So in terms of being creative, I'm trying to like, I want to make sure that when I hit 50, I've done a lot. I haven't just been rotting on the couch. So I really want to be. <laughs> that, you know that expression. You mean like you, in the like the last couple of years before you turn 50? Because no, 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 I feel no, no, like no. you've done a lot. I just want to squeeze it dry. I want to squeeze that fucking towel dry. I want to be able to. If I drop dead tomorrow. I have no regrets. So I'm really like, I'm working hard. I'm sleeping right, sleeping well. I'm eating right. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I'm trying to get as much possible out. Mm-hmm. So I've started to, I, my wife, now that I don't have the kids in college, my, my wife works on some Saturdays. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the shop on Saturday. 
who started a sculpture for no other reason than I just wanted to make a sculpture. No galleries, no, no deadlines, no commissions, and it's been a lot of fun. So I'm working on this big, tall sculpture, and then uh, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying myself, if you nice. really want to know. Good. I'm so. glad to hear. But before we get to you, I'm gonna get, I gotta get to we gotta get to you. I just want to say one thing, guys. Listen, Craig isn't here. We're hoping he's gonna. We're really pushing for him. He's got some family things. He's he, it was a had to happen. But in the meantime, we're still with you, and so is Even Heat. Even Heat is the manufacturer, the finest heat treat ovens available. Go check out your next Even Heat at evenheat-kiln.com. And also, not to mention, if you're looking to get some belts for your grinder, because obviously a grinder's great, but without the belts, I mean, it's just a, I mean, it's just a whirling dervish. And what are they going to really do without the belts? Go to Combat Abrasives. Go to combatabrasives.com. Put in the promo code KNIFETALK15, and you're going to get... Get 15% off all your belts and your compounds and your mops and your wheels and all that stuff. And so get yourself some of that combat abrasives. Mareko, how have you been? I'm good. Uh, the wife and I are getting ready to uh, kind of leave town for a little bit. Whoa. Um, again. But uh, we're leaving the kid behind. This is the first for us. Oh, shit. So we're, we're dumping the kid on the grandparents and nice. we're going out of you town. You said it in for such like... a nice way, too, by the way. <laughs> We're going out of town for about three days. Wow. Uh, three nights. Um, yeah, so it'll be, I don't know, th- it'll be, it's definitely a first for all of us. Uh, it'll be the first that he's been, a, uh, I guess, staying the night as grandparents without us around. Um, like, you know, back at home. Sometimes he goes and has sleepovers at their house or whatever because we're going to go have a date night or whatever. Yeah. But uh, we've never been out of state for anything like that, and it's never been multiple days. So well, so you're excited. I'm excited. It'll be good. It's going to be going, weird. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, yeah. And there's the reality is he's going to be great. He's going to be of fine. Course. He's with people that care about him, who can take care of him, keep him safe. Like, of that's course. the biggest thing is, like, Oh, of course. It, whatever mental anguish he might experience, <laughs> hopefully it's he'll okay. get past it. <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. I do have I do have a very funny staying with my grandparents story when I was very young. Okay. Dissimilar to you if you're not if you're not too squeamish. But I want you to tell we'll tell the rest of your week and then I'll get to it. We get to it. Remember we'll get to it. You gotta remind me, maybe even put it in the and for the after show because it is like, you know, after it was show. a very it was a very crazy experience. Okay. That don't want to freak you out either. <laughs> okay um yeah so we're going to minneapolis uh a friend of mine so the people that i did the apron with right the, that company has a nonprofit called the black and blue project which helps uh support people in the culinary industry uh or culinary industry adjacent uh to help with like mental health or uh if somebody's going to be out of town or, or not out of town but out of work because of sickness or whatever right. or what all these kind of different things they they do this work uh this foundation helps to support those people in various ways um because it is a hard industry to have you know like regular health insurance or you know whatever like <laughs> when you, you don't get sick days really in the restaurant industry you're either at work or you're not getting paid brutal uh yeah it's brutal and um 
and so they invited me to come out and and so i'm going with the wife where they one of their sponsors for their event is the four seasons so nice. i'm i'm gonna go stay at the four seasons for the you, first time wait I a always second hear, you're gonna Whoa. stay at the four seasons yeah look at you i i want you to i want you to enjoy it though okay don't get all like well i'm not used to this i'm just gonna like you know take my shoes off and you know to tiptoe around fuck that room up dude <laughs> fuck that room up don't 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 be like oh i'm not used to this kind of life be used to it act like you've been here before enjoy that fucking four seasons oh yeah. my god yeah it's gonna be cool and uh so we show up we actually fly out we're recording this podcast on wednesday right. we fl- we fly out thursday afternoon so we land in Minneapolis at basically dinner time. We're going to like this fancy taqueria kind of situation um, that a friend of theirs owns the restaurant. There are other people got, that are going to be at the event who are out of towners. So they're doing kind of an out of towners dinner, um, which should be cool. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be kind of the first time that I'm like, I've been invited to come be a fancy person at a thing. Nice. Uh, so that should be cool. Don't forget um, to tip. Don't forget to tip the, uh, when you leave, you got to tip the, the housekeepers. That's, huh? Did you know about that? No. Oh, dude. My at wife, a fancy place, you got to tip place, the housekeeper? Every place. Every place. You got to leave a couple bucks for the, for, the, for the people who clean the room. Okay. That's just, that's the, my right. wife told me that shit. I mean, even if whatever cash you got in your pocket, I mean, like, I mean, not saying like thousand dollars, but like you leave them a 10, <laughs> you stay there for a night, you leave them a 10, 20. Yeah. Okay. Sounds they, good. They like it. It's tough. Right. And then, uh, my kids school, I might've said this last week. I can't remember, but my kid's school is doing like a fundraiser. Right. Oh yeah. I think I did talk about that. And, uh, so I made a little brute to forge, uh, bench knife out of Damascus for that. Um, I made some, uh, I, so outside of staying at the Four Seasons we're in, in Minneapolis, uh, we're staying with one of the owners of the company, of the apron company. And um, and so as a kind of a, 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 what is it, a host gift for yeah. them having us stay with them, uh, I made a, a cool like spoon, I guess nice. like kitchen spoon for cooking with. Um, and, and then I made, he's got a little two, three-year-old, three or four, I have a four-year-old kid. Um, and, uh, so I made him a little chef's knife out of just like hickory, nice. something, something hearty. Uh, nice. it's cool because, uh, I, I feel like I'm finally getting to do that for somebody else because when Victor was young, he was given like Mike Quisenberry had a knife that he used as a blade and handle sculpting model. And it was made out of like Oak or whatever hickory or whatever he had handy. And he did that as a class. And so he just sent that to us. And then, uh, what is it? Mike Dybert. Uh, who's another maker down? He, I think, I believe he's down at Alabama. But he made a little Bowie, and he sent that our way for Victor as well. So he's got a little wooden knife <laughs> collection. That's cool. So I feel like it's finally uh, my chance to kind of do that. Uh, but it turned out neat. I have ideas about how like those could be done in the future and be pretty, pretty cool. But uh, I'm trying to think what else. I'm just like regular knife stuff. I, I did some hand sanding this week and finished up some handle sculpting and um, got a, a few more days of work, which is going to have to wait until I get back um, on a piece that I'm going to be hopefully sending out to the newsletter soon. And nice. I don't know. That's it. That's- so, so you're excited about Minneapolis. Yeah. That's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun for you and your wife to just not have to like 
where's Victor? Where are you going? Where's he going to be? Maybe he's <laughs> a nap. Yeah, yeah. You guys are going to be like, look, you're going to be looking around and being like, I think we're supposed yeah. to be doing something. No. Well, and it's interesting because basically we don't have, we just have to show up. We're you don't have to do anything? No. Oh, jeez, What a life. Outstanding. We I mean, we donated, it. like we donated a forging experience. Yeah. Or then you, so yeah. whoever wins that gets to come and hang out at the shop and they can, we're going to do knife care and, and knife skills and sharpening and, and a forging, I guess more of a forging demo, maybe a little bit of a side-by-side forging work, but mostly a demo. Nice. That sounds great. Yeah. It'd be cool. Well, that'll be nice for you and your wife. I, I see seven and you guys have never gotten away, huh? Never. All right, there you go. Don't forget, Never. I got to tell you, I got to, you got to remind me of the, my, my grandparents. My grandparents had me when my parents went away for the first time. You got to remind me, we got to remind you. But God. we got a lot to get to, guys. Okay. So, Mareko, it's up to you. Here's what we got. I'll give you the choice. We have questions. We have new questions from our listeners who, they ain't no better listeners than ours. I mean, period. That's it. Forget it. Right. We also have listener feedback, which is excellent. We also have our new bit that we need to start up and we need to, uh, we have started up. We could do one or two i need oh, to get we need to get the, the red flags the mm-hmm. red flags of customers the red flags of whatever you want mm-hmm. we need to we need to give a couple we need to do a little bit of that um and it's really up to you so and we got we want to i want to spend some time talking about uh, the damn steel invitational that's the okay. next episode so it's up to you completely up to you whatever you want to do yeah let's uh let's just start out with a couple questions Okay, that sounds good. Guys, if we're going to start off with questions, I want to tell you one thing. This podcast is also sponsored by Adas USA. They are the makers of RhinoWet. Its stuff is awesome. I'm sure that when Mareko was hand sanding this week, he was using RhinoWet. When I was hand sanding all week, we were hand sanding all sorts of stuff. We only use RhinoWet, and you can get that RhinoWet at Texas Farrier Supply. And when you go to TexasFarrierSupply.com, you will get 10% off your entire order if you use the promo code KNIFETALK10. KNIFETALK10, Texas Farrier Supply, get you that RhinoWet from Indos USA, and stop playing around. All right, my brother, why don't you give us a start? All right, this first one is from Stephen Connor. He says, good morning, guys. Let me get right to the point. I find myself befuddled by the amazing work artisans and knife makers are producing with custom steels these days, specifically the ferrous and non-ferrous combination being made by Baker Forge and Tool. Given the difference forging, uh, sorry, given the different forging and melting temperatures of steel, copper, and bronze, can you explain the sorcery behind successfully forging with these materials? Uh, Let... Uh, sorry, left my own device. Sorry, geez. Sorry, left to my own You're devices. You're already on vacation. It's okay. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> I already checked out. Your mouth is already <laughs> ready no, on the plate. Well, yeah. Left to my hey, own device. Well, I'm like, I'm looking at it and my brain's not like don't what my brain's saying it. and what my mouth is saying are not matching up. All right. Left to my own devices. I'll likely burn and ruin every piece, but would still like to have it. Uh, or give it a try sometime. Thanks in advance. Love the show and look forward to it every week. Cheers. Stephen Con- Connor is also Hey Budden on Instagram. Stephen oh, yeah. is the man. He's a great guy. He he brought by some tasty bourbon while we were at Maker oh, Camp. He certainly did. Oh my god. He certainly did. 
I don't, I don't not for he, Craig, but it was for us. I mean, at least for me, it was delicious. I, he must have brought a pot. He must have brought a whole fucking bar with him because it I, wasn't when he brought it over to me and Jesse and Carrie. It was scotch, so I don't know what the hell he had. He got a, oh, he, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe he it was brought scotch. A, you know I what? Know. Fuck it. He brings a whole pile of booze with him in his <laughs> bag. I mean, <laughs> everything. Got, he probably smacking. had a few different bottles. Yeah, oh, I think I'm you're sure right. He had a bar back there. He had a bar back there. Stephen Connor. <laughs> I do not. I just made a knife with the uh, Baker Forge and Tool stuff. I do not know. I do not understand the sorcery behind b- copper, sh- sending copper in those shims or bronze or any of that stuff. Maybe you can enlighten us because to me, I'm always worried that I'm going to, oh, I think it melted out, but it obviously doesn't happen. Yeah, I think the goal with the uh, with the with the copper mine or the not the mixture of the non-ferrous and ferrous metals is that you don't really the plan is not necessarily for you to forge it. Um, even people who are making their own, they're getting it laminated, and then they're stock removing it. Stock removing from there is the move. You might be able to do some low temperature work, um, where if you're making your own, maybe you ladder it or maybe because obviously Baker Forge and Tool are doing they're texturing their materials and uh, which is where a lot of that really cool activity is coming from. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it is concerning because uh, if if you're going to try to forge it and I think I, I was I, I, I was messaging with Koi actually Koi Baker and he was telling me that he, they usually discourage people from trying to forge it actually. I think mm. the goal with it is that once you get it, your stock removing from there, right. uh, because it is kind of a tenuous situation, right. especially because of the the not only the lower melting temperature of the non-ferrous materials, but just how easy, like how the difference in how, how they move versus steel at the same temperature, even if it is a low enough temperature that where it's not melting, the steel is going to be way stiff. While the softer, the non-ferrous is going to flow pretty easily. Um, not obviously not melting yet, but just the way it moves is going to be a lot easier than um, than the steel. And so I think for the most part, they're they they're not really interested in people forging it. And if you're going to make it yourself, I would also if I was going to make it myself, I probably wouldn't plan on doing a whole lot of forging with it. Really, I would get it stuck together maybe do some texturing um because laddering and random pattern or whatever you want to do texas wind or what do they call it in the northeast the texas northeast wind. breeze i love texas wind. the new england breeze i think is is that a th- what is texas wind i think that's one of them boys eat the beans and fart, fart, the, fart <laughs> it's, in the all truck. Cow- it's all that cowboy chili all that farting in the truck <laughs> sit next to their boy so look it out on the i mean i feel like ben snoor is the king of texas wind i i don't i don't i don't think anybody can do that texas wind like oh but is there a, is there a fucking is there a pattern called texas wind yes but oh I it's think, not a joke so, no it's not a joke <laughs> it's oh. called it's it's like ladder but it's it's wavy so it looks like i guess the texas lines of, wind. like wind lines oh boy I was quite a meal. Oh, got me some gurgling. Then the Texas, Texas wind starts flowing out. I think uh, Ryan Coakley was telling me that um, who is it? Nick Rossi came up with uh, he called they call or he yeah he coined it uh, New England breeze. Oh, nice. is what he calls it. 
That's not when they do nice it when you when taxes. you're pressing it up. Well, it sounds like douche is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> New right. England breeze. That New England breeze. You got definitely... that, that salty old bay <laughs> and lobster. Yeah, <laughs> New England like breeze a, douche. As a douche company, oh, oh man, how do I get more clean? Get yourself some of that New England breeze. It's kind of like if you have New England breeze, you're probably smoking like Capri's Capri cigarettes too. Yeah, you know, never mind. That's all Don't hate old. on Capris. No, I'm just joking. Did you ever smoke Capris? <laughs> I think I've smoked a couple. Yeah, I'm, I'm just bombing from fruit. But they're like the, the tiniest. They're so yeah. silly. It's like smoking like a it's like a cocktail straw. Never <laughs> yeah. mind. Where it's like the get... opposite of uh what is it? Camel wides oh, are like the dude. cartoon cigarettes. Oh, they're so they're like almost three eighths of an it's inch. It's like smoking a needle. It's like a tiny cigar. All right. Texas Anyways. wind. Back to Texas wind. <laughs> So, anyways, that's the name of this episode. By the way, I'm making sure we write it down. (laughs) Um, yeah. If I was going to be making my own, I would be concerned about working it too much or forging it. Um, uh, once I had the materials laminated, I think it's possible, but you have to work out of a forge or kiln that is very uh, controlled. Right. Uh, so it has some sort of controller that c- keeps track of the temperature and so that it's, you know, it's not getting too hot or it's not getting too cold and all that kind of stuff. But it's going to be more of a pain in the ass. And I think the goal is to get it stuck together and then you texture it through laddering dyes or whatever, New England breeze, and then you stock remove it from there, honestly. Because it um, wouldn't, because the stuff that I get, there's one set of, there. there's a core, it's usually um, right. ADCRV2, mm-hmm. and then a shim of, of copper on either side, if it's copper mine, and then the outside cladding is the, uh, is the uh, Damascus or the pattern welded steel. So it's, yeah, I, I see what you mean that you wouldn't want to just make it and then stack it and restack it and restack it because the no. problem is, is you don't, your, your, your goal is to keep your core in the middle. Mm-hmm. You it mean, is. otherwise it's like you're, it's a disaster. You don't want your copper to be the core for Christ's sakes. Right. Yeah. And, um, oh God, I had a thought. I totally lost whatever it was. Oh, uh, yeah. With that said, with that said, I have nothing but good. Uh, I don't know how they do it. And the thing is, is for oh, heat. That's tre- what it was. I figured. Okay, it. go ahead. Go ahead. Back. <laughs> go ahead. Texas thanks, wind. Thanks Come for on. giving me a moment. Uh, yeah. So the copper. So the way they're getting the copper or the bronze or the combination sticking together to the steel is that they have nickel in there. Is it? You, I mean, it might be possible to. Uh, accomplish kind of a solid state diffusion welded bond between the copper and um and or bra, uh, bra brass bronze i can't remember which one it is I in there but anyways and the steel but um it's v- very difficult and the nickel just like when we use nickel as a shim between the core material and stainless or something else as cladding um that nickel helps to bond those materials together and so, but you can't, you don't, you almost never see it. And it's just like an ultra thin layer, but it's there to help just, it's just a foil. It's just, it's there to help get things to stick together. And so once they're stuck, then you move forward with your texturing and then you make your knife, you stock, remove your knife from there. You might be able to do some pr- forging the profile with the, uh, with the copper mine. I don't know. I would still be really sketched out. Yeah, again, if you don't have a temperature control forge 
or like a PID controller or some sort of way of controlling the temperature in the forge and monitoring that temperature, you're probably going to end up with a puddle of metal <laughs> in the bottom yeah. of your forge pretty fucking quick. Well, I, I'm always impressed with it. And, you know, heat yeah. treating, it always comes out really easy. I, I will say that stuff is really easy to work with because when you're grinding it, you actually see the copper. So you know where you are. You yeah. know where you are when you're grinding it. You don't need to dip it to see where the hell you are. You know where you can see everything very easily. So the stuff is awesome. Um, yeah, well, and something to keep in mind, too, if you are working with that, whether it has the br brass or the copper or whatever mixed in with it, that if you go straight into coffee, or sorry, not coffee, into ferric, you, you have to have a dedicated batch of ferric because it is going to leach the copper out of either the brass or the copper and it is going to become part of the ferric solution and it will want to electroplate itself to the surfaces especially like the 15 and 20 and in stainless surfaces it'll want to stick to that which is part of the reason um i think they developed the gator piss is because you can etch it all together without that being a problem hmm. um so if you are going to be fucking around with the copper mine you have to either use gator piss or have a very dedicated batch of ferric because if you go back and forth between using copper clad damascus and then just regular damascus you're going to put your regular damascus in pull it out and it's going to be covered in copper that's how it, yeah oops uh and you can clean that back off it's just it's a drag because it you know it takes time to do all that i haven't had a problem with it frankly that's great um but uh, you know what the fuck do i know that's what I said to Damasteel. I actually, we got to talk when we get to Damasteel. Yeah. I we have to talk about. I did my damn. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's get back into it. Uh, the next one is from Corey Eck. Corey Eck says, "Hey, you buxom beauties. What the fuck? Ooh. Got a question for you. If you grind your primary bevels at a seven degree, at seven degrees, and then decide to put on a twenty degree bevel edge bevel on the blade." Do you account for the seven degrees of the primary bevel? So you'd add another 13. Please, motherfucker. Corey, what the fuck? Are you going to get a calculator for this sent, guy? Question? Said, sent us a story problem. I mean, Jesus Christ. If this guy is on a train going 70 miles an hour and the other guy's sucking his own dick, I don't know why he said that, but if he did. So, I. Uh, all right, let's start over. You grind your primary bevel at 7 degrees and decide to put on a 20-degree edge bevel on the blade. Do you account for the 7 degrees for the primary bevel? So you add another 13 degrees. Does that up to 27 degrees total? It's a bit confusing, and I'm sure if I'm overthinking it. Anyway, I appreciate the hell out of these three fine gentlemen and look forward to hearing your thoughts and opinions on the matter. My thoughts and opinions on the matter is I don't, I don't start to fucking get a calculator out to, to figure this stuff out. I mean, I... If I have to like start counting, I'm a, I mean I can do eighths, I can do sixteenths, I can just about do thirty seconds, hmm. and I have uh, ten fingers. That's it. I can't. What's your? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I think. So what he's talking about are the faces. So say uh, you have a blade and it's flat ground, Bowie knife or chef's knife, whatever it is. Um, and obviously it's not a full thickness otherwise that would be zero bevel so there's somewhat of a a second what was typically referred to as the secondary bevel um which is from the spine almost down to the edge the primary bevel is the cutting edge bevel uh, that you've sharpened the knife to so when people are referring to the bevel or the geometry of the knife 
uh, or uh, probably not the edge geometry, but the, the, what the sharpening angle, they're only refer, I mean, they should only be referring to the angle or the overall angle that they have sharpened the knife to, or half the angle, which refers to obviously side to side, which I'm assuming that 20 degrees, um, a, a 20 degree sharpening angle from side to side would be an overall 40 degree bevel uh, being 20 degrees side, uh, on either side. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Or did sense. I add to the confusion of the fucking no, story No, you, you know what you did? You took his question, <laughs> you put it in a corner, and then you answered the question in the correct way. So <laughs> the answer is, is, the answer is, is just, don't, don't make me read that again. Don't make me read that again. I'm just, I have, I was, I was born with dyscalculus and dyslexia. So I've had to work through it all. And, but this is, this is one step too far. I don't do, I don't put angles up. I have a a general idea and that's it. I can't, I can't, I can only do so much. Mm -hmm. Koryak, we're with you. Next is uh, Malachi Dohan. Uh, Malachi Dahan. Uh, well, I have, uh, besides uh, 1084, what are the steels that you can heat treat properly in a simple propane forge? That's an easy question, isn't it? Or maybe it's not. What do you think, uh, Barreco? Uh, you can, I think most carbon steels you can heat treat in a forge or with a propane torch. Uh, if you're going to be using a torch, though, you're going to be limited to... Uh, by length, you know, if you have a big old giant 12 inch knife, you're going to have a hard time keeping the, the heat even across the full length of that cutting edge. But if you're doing EDCs or smaller knives or even up to maybe an eight inch knife, you should have, you should be able to do that just fine with a torch, um, or, or a forge. What would you say? say, Let's just do a real easy one. If you were to say the easiest steel to heat treat in a forge would be what's the most forgiving steel i always think that you know it's funny with hammer makers uh-huh. I, when i was making hammers when i talked to when i talk about heat when i'm talking to guys about heat treating hammers sure most of these guys always say to me um 1045 is a very forgiving steel it's okay. hard to fuck up a heat treatment of 1045 and Frankly, they're right. I, I've, you know, because the, you're, you're, you're quenching in water and you got to agitate and it's such a big mass. And how do you know if you're really getting it down far enough? And I've never had any cracks and that's a very forgiving steel. And a lot of guys will tell me, yes, it's a very forgiving heat treating steel. If you were to think about the most forgiving carbon steels for a propane forge heat treating, what would you suggest? It's going to be most any of the uh the 10 series so the 1080 1084 1075 um once you get up to the 1095 you're starting to mess with uh because it's such a shallow hardening steel um and the higher carbon content kind of makes it a little bit more challenging but you should still be able to heat treat 1095 out of a forge um whether you you're using a baffle which is like basically putting a tube inside of your forge and then heat having the knife pass back and forth inside of that rather than, um, you know, having the flames coming into physical contact with the blade while you're trying to heat it up. Um, yeah, you should be able to do that just fine. But that is uh, it. Sorry. Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say you hit an awesome move, which I don't think a lot of people realize 
that if you put a piece of tubing inside your forge and you make it like a little tunnel, so the burners of your forge are heating up the tube, and then you have, and so instead of your knife being directly under the 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 burners, the yeah. it's going in and out in the tube. You're getting a much more even heat, and you're not getting exactly, uh, uh, you know, the flame, the direct flame on your knife, even yeah. if you have a shitty forge. Right. Yeah, and honestly, Laren Thomas has a really great article about heat treating uh, out of a forge. Uh, I think it's, it, it's, it, I believe it's in his knife engineering book, but he definitely has some longer form articles um, on his Knife Steel Nerds website blog. Uh, I think possibly as well some videos on his YouTube that are worth checking out in regards to heat treating out of a forge. Yeah, I th he was very. Uh, he I was talking to him about something, and he said that he's doing some that you know the differences between the two. Right. But uh, let's do one a couple more questions, and we'll hop around and see. what well, we got plenty to talk about. Um, uh, we got DTM shenanigans says question for Jeff mainly. <laughs> when you work with wood from barrels, do you just cut it into chunks or do you do any straightening first? What do you do? This is this the barrel the barrel wood is dynamite oak. It's great stuff. Okay. I, and I I don't know if you've ever worked with barrel oak or something like that, but once in a while, you, you know, I've, I've we just finished a pile of knives from a winery. I've done it before. I've gotten barrels sent to me to use. I actually have one my favorite my basically my big table that I take pictures off of. Maybe I'll have mm -hmm. a if I have a meeting, we'll have it on the I love this I love the barrels. But the problem when you start to use barrels for handle scales or blocks is the staves are fucking bent. And they are a pill. They are tough to tough tough to mill down. It's like it's almost wasteful of your time to try to get anything out of those staves. Unless you're just like, well, I don't give a shit. Uh, if you're trying to like get flat <laughs> cuts and you're trying not to fuck around so much, you you don't I don't fuck with those anymore. And a lot, a lot of it's because like time is kind of my the the meter's running on this motherfucker. Every time I open this shop up, the meter's running. So if I do use uh, barrels, I always ask for the heads. That's the top and the bottom. Now, there's something interesting. All barrels aren't made the same. So if you order, if you get staves, uh, or if you get staves or whatever, sometimes they're lot, the staves are always, they're joined butt to the side. The, each stave is, is butt jointed. There's no, like, uh, there's no connection. Really. But there's the no heads, tongue? Pardon me? There's no, no tongue? not really. Oh. It's it's because they have to like really form them. So there's no okay. they have to, when they form them with heat and their steam and right. those are harder to, to to do. So the but the heads, there's two different ways. Sometimes they have like a tongue and groove situation, or sometimes they'll have uh, wooden dowels that they'll kind of like almost like a domino mm. that'll kind of bond together. Or sometimes they'll use um, nails. So when you ever deal with a company, like I just did this winery, we did uh, 20 knives at this winery, they asked me how many heads I needed. I said, I need four. And the reasoning is because I just don't know how many workable staves, how many workable pieces I can use. Because if, if they're made with pins, I'm going to have to cut away for where the pinholes are. Or if there are, you know, dowels, I got to, that part's not, you, all of a sudden you go from being able to use the middle 
of the barrel head, maybe I can get three sets and scales out of it to maybe you can only get like, you know, seven scales out of a whole head, you know, seven knives, knives out of a whole head. So always ask for more. And then the best ones for like milling down are the ones that are tongue and groove when they don't have pinholes or, or dowels in them to kind of bind them together, because then all of a sudden you're getting the maximum amount of, you know, I don't want, let's say six inches, six inch pieces to turn into a set of scales. So that's the move. And it's all like, you know what? Experience is underrated. You know, you can fuck around with them. Every barrel is different and the way they construct them all is different too. So, hmm. okay. And if you want to, if you want to fuck around and get some staves, I mean, some of them are going to be too little. Some of them are going to be too bent. Some of them you're not going to be able to get anything out of. And I just don't play anymore. I just get the heads. And then for shipping, you, you want to see, you want to see something crazy. One guy sent me a barrel and he just basically put the whole fucking thing in a box he took the he just what? and it was like it, it showed up and it was like a disaster area because the whole thing <laughs> fell apart in this box it was like a 150 pound the mailman wanted to kill me and then they're like staves sticking out of everywhere they didn't package it up nice at oh all. my god oh, it was a disaster so you know there you go <clears throat> and then you still got to stabilize them and when you stabilize if you're going to do it yourself my suggestion is if you don't want to stabilize them, send them to K&G in pieces. So, like, if you were going to get them stabilized, don't cut them into scales and send them. Oh, yeah. Send no. them in the blocks. Like, maybe if it's, you know, if the, if it's the thickness is, like, let's just say three-quarters to seven-eighths of an inch. And give yourself some space. So, if you know that you need, um, if you know you need your, the maximum length of your knife handle is going to be, let's say, five and a half inches long. Just trim them at afterwards, you know, add an extra inch. So there's, you know, you can, you have room to kind of cut away, uh, when they do it, you don't, don't do exact measurements when you send stuff out to be measured, to be uh, stabilized. Cause weird shit happens when you get stabilized, twisting and turning and bullshit out on the yeah. outside and give yourself some room. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you so, want to do another one or you want to move on to, uh, Feedback. Well, let's do another one because my okay. my man Littleton Supply Company is the man. But before we go into that, let's just talk about one of our sponsors, Maritime Knife Supply. Man, I swear to God, these Florence is the man. Maritime Knife Supply is the one stop shop for knife makers, steel belts, abrasives, handle materials, tools, songs, cords, kilns, heat treating ovens, all that stuff. They're the Canadian distributor of combat abrasives. They're the Canadian distributor of Rhino Wet and Rhino Stick and all that Rhino Wet uh, in DOS USA stuff. They are the distributors of Damasteel, Broadbeck, Gator Piss. He got all of it. So go check out MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. And just to let you know, the New England School of Metalsmiths have a scholarship that Maritime Knife Supply is supporting. So the Maritime Knife Supply scholarship is a class that will be, uh, that is you can apply for this scholarship, which covers the class. I don't know exactly how much you have to go to the, go to maritimeknifesupply.com, go to the link tree, and then there's a, there's a link directly to this scholarship. The scholarship, you can apply up until December 1st. So hustle up, and uh, the class is going to be the ABS Intro to Bladesmithing, and um, it's open to 16 to 30 people. So go ch- I think that was what that means. Wow. Um, so definitely, people. I don't know if it's 16 to 30 people, frankly. He wrote this in a, um, 
<laughs> it's either the it's either the 16th to the 30th or it's 16 to 30 people. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, I would highly suggest go s- supporting Maritime Knife Supply. The fact that he does these scholarships for the New England School of Metalwork and it's at the New England School of Metalworks website and it's on Maritime Knife Supply website. Uh, it, it's got to tell you something. Lawrence Lake is in it for you as a knife maker. He is in it for the knife making community. And this is the second year they did the scholarship. And I uh, support, I uh, salute you, Lawrence Lake, maritimeknifesupply.com. Get your shit from them. Okay. I will Let's... add that the deadline for the application is December 1st. Yeah. So don't sit on it. Don't wait. Don't wait. It's... Get to it. <laughs> I mean, we're already in November, so hustle up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't have any money. Well, he's doing it, so come on. He's getting he's helping you out. All right, Littleton Supply Company says, hey, do you guys have any tips on improving Kydex molding? I've seen a lot of guys with super clean and crisp molds that almost seem to follow the curve of the blade along the spine. I can't seem to fold anything but a straight line. Sincerely yours, Jimmy Holder. Oh, my man. My man, Jimmy Holder. All right. Um, <laughs> so the Kydex thing, there's a lot of different things. You can get, if you, if you want, you can get the, some of these guys have like these vacuum chambers that when you heat this, the Kydex up, uh, it, you put it over the thing and then the vacuum chamber sucks everything down to get you that real re- retention. Yeah. You gotta fuck with you gotta fuck with the thicknesses. The thicknesses of the Kydex will make a huge difference if you're just using a regular press. And this is something that we've been noticing because I accidentally get I accidentally get stuff that's too thin or sometimes it gets too thick. You definitely need to check out the how the thicknesses of the Kydex affect how it will uh get, you know, mold. So that's okay. one thing. And then the other thing is is you want to get really good um, foam, the kind of foam pat, um, neoprene uh, blocks that really kind of are thick. And what the thickness will do was it'll really mash in. Uh, it'll allow you to uh, really try to get as much cleanness as po- I mean, good retention as possible or good nooks and crannies as possible. Sure. My buddy uh, Tori over at gunstone underscore creations on instagram he's got uh somewhere down his feed he's got some videos of him using one of those kind of vacuum molds to that basically it's a it's on a hinge and it's got like a whatever it's on a surface and and then there's a a hinge and and the thing folds down kind of like you're closing your book but it keeps a nice tight sealed and then he turns on the vacuum and it pulls every sucks everything down nice and tight uh, but yeah, go check out Tori's page, Gunstone underscore Creations, and find that post because uh, it's it's pretty wild to see. I I'd never seen that before. And I was yeah, like, Kydex is crazy. The other thing is, is you also want to be careful too because you don't want to be too tight because right, know, right. That's when shit starts to scuff up or it's too hard to get in and out of the Kydex case. But uh, Littleton, I would highly suggest looking into different thicknesses you might have a better like the thinner it is the 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 more flexible it's going to be and the thicker it is it's harder to bend because it's got a little bit more mass so i've been noticing a big difference with the thicknesses well Uh, and you don't have to hit it all in one shot right you you can use a heat gun to make some slight uh adjustments you the heat gun the yes the adjustments are really best to open so like okay 
for closing, it doesn't really, it's kind of like a production. Like it's, right. you're almost better off if you, if you, that's the best part about Kydex is if it's too, if it's not where you want it to be, you can just reheat the whole thing and then do it again. You can actually reheat it with, if you, let's say you put it together and you put the eyelets in and all that, you can actually reheat it with the eyelets in completely too. You just gotta kind of, you gotta fuck around with a little hair, but yeah, the thickness is the thickness of the material is definitely going to be your thing. I usually use uh, 0.06. Uh, 0.06 is where I usually use, but I've been fooling around with um, the 0.08, the thicker stuff re- lately, and it definitely gives you a better, a different type of vibe. And you know, you know, that Kydex song. Okay. Well, what would you like to do, my friend? We got. Um, we have feedback. We have uh, red flags. Whatever you want. I just I, I I want to add again a little bit more clarity to to the the scholarship. Yes. Uh, so it is for you have to be at least sixteen years of oh. age. <laughs> Not sixteen to thirty people. That's just I made the mistake. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. You have to be at least sixteen years Lawrence old is to texting apply. Me already. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. No. And, and he's going to be giving two awards for black bladesmithing and two awards for blacksmithing. So a total of four awards. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All together. Um, but they, so two for bladesmithing classes um, and two for blacksmithing classes. And a uh, person can only get one award uh, per year. Imagine you imagine that his like blood pressure is like texting me. It's not I'm not giving away sixteen to thirty. <laughs> I'm not giving away sixteen to thirty, are you crazy? I don't have that kind of money. Sorry, Lawrence, don't uh, you know, don't uh, don't be mad. Thank you for clearing that up because I, I know you know what? I know for a fact that Lawrence will not listen to this part. He will have already texted me before before he gets to your clearing it everything up so thank you very much Mareko, for clearing that up. so what do you want to do you want to do listener feedback red flags what do you want to yeah, do let's do some of that listener feedback all right listener feedback guys if you want to if you want to send some uh feedback to the show uh send your go follow us on instagram that's knife talk podcast on instagram and then you can interact with the show send your questions feedback we do new bits we're going to start getting ready guys for the all beef review i need you to start sending your beefs in send it and make sure it says all for the all beef review you can send all that stuff in and we'll get you there squared away so this one comes from Fwin Shog Knives. Hey, KTP, here's some listener feedback. I just want to give some appreciation for last week's episode. Last week's episode, we did a good job. Between Mareko almost catching crabs and a copious bear dick <laughs> content, there was a lot of bear dick talk, you guys had me almost crashing my card, car. I was laughing so hard. And I just want to give a little information on the spoice bag. I talked last week about the spoice bag. It's a delicate, and he wanted to explain what a spoice bag is. Just a further information on the spoice bag. This is indeed an Irish delicacy invented by Chinese takeaways here. It's actually called a spice bag. 
and it's particularly revered in Dublin. The spice bag said in a heavy Dublin accent comes out as spice bag. Um, and there's never curry sauce in it. It's just chips, onions, peppers, garlic, and a mysterious spice bag seasoning. All the best. Pogue Mahone. I don't know what the fuck Pogue Mahone is. I think that's an Irish, you know, uh, bend over or something like that. I would imagine something like that. Made. That's the that's the Irish version of uh, bend over. So, um, Mark Meyer says, hey, yo, here's a little bit of bear dick trivia. I didn't know he needed it, but I think he did. So last week, uh, one of our listeners, you should listen to last week's episode, uh, was uh, we had a uh, bingo's terror uh scary moments he was scared by a bear with a an erection so there was bear t- dick, dick talk uh, did you know bear dicks have a bone in them um i've got a hunting buddy who has kept the dick bones from bears and keeps them around unassuming visitors as a prank piece uh, might make for an erotic knife handle maybe i'll talk to him about getting him to make some for me i'll send i'll send picks if the deal goes through mark Meyer mayor no picks. We want no picks. <laughs> there are people who use, I can't remember, is, is it walrus that has dick bone as well? I mean. And it's called Usyk. And right. there are people that use that for handle material in knives. At what point do we need to just like cool it? <laughs> Let's I mean, just dial it back. Can't we just cool it? <laughs> cool it with the dicks. I mean, you can't do dicks for everything, you know? I mean, it's just like, <sighs> what is the wrong, you know, this, I mean. Can you imagine what was the first guy who figured we could use a walrus dick? It's like starting to turn his friend. He's just like, well, what are we gonna do with it? We ate the walrus. We used the tooths for this. We used the tooth for that. What the fuck are we gonna do with this big dong? I know <laughs> knife handles. Oh, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> you can't make it up. I, they make they make they're using dicks for everything. Um. Clever Pig Design says, here, but this is the last of the few of the uh, Bingo's Knife Shop oh, R's. Okay. Uh, you take a quick break and then you open Facebook to immediately see a picture of a black widow, which you're now desensitized to and are fully equipped with the skills to fend off any lip sucking. And then the next post is an unsolicited damn a dick pick that you get jumped scared by the sight of the one and only big all right after all right so basically what he's saying clever pig designs noticed that our friend brigham kendall had done what we told him not to do which was to take a picture i don't know if you've seen brigham (laughs) kendall's he's got a damage steel build along he's got it we told him when you take your pictures for the damage steel invitation i'll do nice picture i said don't put it on your shitty kitchen floor. <laughs> don't put it with your fucking toes, and don't put it with your sticking out your po- your dick hole like you're you know holding your piece. And what did he do? You're looking at it, right, Mareko? I'm looking right at it. He did he says, exactly what we told Jeff. him not to do, and he said, "This is for Jeff." And then <laughs> the handle sticking out of the zipper of his pants. It's not a good look. I mean, it's not what we want. It's not what. It's not what we wanted. And you did it anyway. So, <laughs> you know, here's the thing about Brigham Kendall. Great guy. Gave us two, at least two to three weeks of scary stories. And then he goes and like, and then he's like sending me messages. Did you see the picture? Or did you see the picture? I didn't. I saw the picture. I saw him. You put my name on it. I was like, I want, I'm not going to, I'll bring it here. Like I said, 
I talk here. I don't talk on the, and the talk for free, you know? <laughs> so congratulations. Uh, and then uh, clever pig design says after shitting my pants, I was humbled at being part of the best audience of the number one knife related podcast in the world. Thanks for keeping me company while I work. And don't you flea bags ever change clever pig designs. And we ain't going to change my brother. Nice. So, uh, Oh, the next one is unbelievable. This one is from Brent Parnell. This is unbelievable. And he even okay. sent a picture. Remember last week we were talking about we've never really, you never really hear of right angle grinder uh, accidents. Okay. You're right. I mean, am I wrong? Have you ever hear of like right angle grinder? You hear about table saw accidents, but you don't hear about right angle grinder accidents. I feel like I, I've seen lots of right angle grinder accidents. But you don't hear about them, right? I guess. I don't I, know. All right. Well, I, I, we made that point, and Brent Parnell says, Hey, guys, I have a grinder accident story for you. A friend of mine in New Zealand was cutting the legs off a conveyor in a confined space when it kicked back. The grinder embedded itself in his chest and was stuck fast. There was no blood it is, as it cauterized the wound. He was flown to Wellington Hospital an hour away where they had to operate on him to remove it. Luckily, it missed any vital organs, and he made a full recovery. Love the show. Thanks, Brent. BSP Knifeworks. And he sent me the article about it. Do you want me to read? This was a a national story, and it's called... Well, it happened in 2014. So it was called Grinder Man Had to Help Himself. Cradling the right angle grinder, cradling the angle grinder embedded in his chest like a baby, Mark Nathan knew he had to help himself. The engineer was working with a grinder when in a split second it kicked back and embedded firmly in his chest. I looked down and I went, oh no. I mean, that's what you say? Oh no. Uh, Nathan went, um, Nathan said, oh no. Oh, ah, <laughs> darn. Oh, <laughs> when the accident happened uh, at a sawmill on Sunday morning, he instinctively tried to pull the disc grinder out, but it was stuck fast. He was working Ugh. alone, so cradling the grinder like a baby, he walked off to get help from his startled workmates. The adrenaline kicked in. I thought, I've got to help myself here. Nathan, 47, was cutting the metal legs off a conveyor belt when the Hitachi disc grinder kicked back into the confined space, spinning at a 1,000 revolutions a minute. The grinder sliced into his lower right chest. I had to climb out of there, and I was walking up to the top yard with the grinder hanging out of, hanging out of me, and he said, um, excuse me, can you please, guys, take me to the hospital? A workmate drove Nathan to a nearby medical center uh, as carefully as possible. And he goes, it hurt quite a bit when it was jiggling about. <laughs> he described this pain as a burning sensation. The disc was spinning so fast that it the heat quarterized the wound. There was no blood at all. It sealed everything up. Miraculously, the disc mit- missed all his vital organs. Nathan was stabilized, flown to a hospital in uh, somewhere, somewhere. Surgeons removed the power tool, pumped strong painkillers, and then Nathan remembered the, hop- the helicopter ride. Uh, he said it was something out of Pink Floyd. The accident man, I don't know. I mean, he just fucking drugged him up. The accident, <laughs> you know, he's like, got a, he's clutching the, I didn't, I, you know, the thing would be is if you get your right angle grinder out, I think the last thing you think of is while you're holding it that you will end up holding it in a helicopter. <laughs> the accident made him think about things. I need to be a little more careful with my life, he says. Oh it's pretty God. precious, and you don't know when it's going to bite you. Uh, he hasn't been reunited with the grinder. He says, I'm not sure I want it back, be honest. 
Uh, he was grateful for the work, for the help of his workmates, helicopter crew, and medical staff who helped him. It was awesome. So, Jeez. the uh, lumber site manager went to see Nathan, who was treated uh, much from quality. He says it was a bad accident, and we're glad he came out the other side. If it's okay, the incident was being investigated by WorkSafe New England. That's what you say if you're the lumber manager. Uh, it was an accident. <laughs> it's not our fault. So yeah. there you go. Not poor training. Yeah. So there you go. Bad so that so glad that was a good one, Brent. Um, where do we want to do? We're we're at an hour in. You want to you want to swap out into something else? Should yeah. We talk about the Damas Steel Invitational. Yeah, let's do that. So guys, the Damas Steel Invitational show will be. This is coming out on Monday. It will be on. Uh, November, here's the paper right here. Da, 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 da. It will be the DCI Invitational 2023 is November 18th. It's Saturday. There, um, you, you, it's a great event. It's a virtual event. And we will be there. We will be doing a live podcast that you can watch from the comfort of your own home. The tickets are free, 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 free. And you don't have to go anywhere. It's virtual. So what you want to do is you want to go to damasteel.se and then you can register. It's called Hopin, H-O-P-I-N. And then you free. it's a free registration. And then you can interact with world-class makers from around the world. You can virtual show. You can talk to these guys. I mean, not talk, talk, but I mean, you can type to talk. Or maybe you can talk with them. And I think all these guys have booths, and then you, if you can talk to them. Me with yeah. the Damas Steel team, incredible giveaways for the event um, attendees, and then you can vote for your favorite knife in the best of show. You can vote for everybody's favorite knife, and then the uh, Knife Talk build along, we'll be going to be voting on that too. So right. the November 18th, I think it's at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. But you can go to Damasteel Invitational, uh, Damasteel.se to uh, find. It's a lot of fun. It's our favorite show of the year. And we'll be interviewing everybody, and then you can watch us direct. And I think we'll even have cameras on us. So, um, And then you can get yourself some of that Damasteel. Go to Damasteel.se, put the promo code Knife Talk, and then you will get 10% off all of your Damasteel. So get yourself right. some of that Damasteel and join us next week. On Saturday, uh, November 18th, for the DCI 2023 Invitational Show. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so when, part of the benefit of using this hop-in platform is that you, all the different makers have kind of their own, quote-unquote, private booth or private chat rooms, and they can invite people to come into and join a conversation, have a f- conversation with them face-to-face. They can do it text-wise, too, but I think the, the idea is that you can kind of basically do it face-to-face via you know the internets uh the same way that we honestly the same way that we pull some of the different um knife makers into our conversation it's the same thing each of the knife makers who have a booth can do the same thing and um you know what happened last year actually i think it's actually been the last couple years what after uh after the show is over the the platform continues to run for like another 15 20 minutes or something yeah. like that and so i just hung i just stayed in there and there were still a couple of people and so i just pulled them in and started chatting with them that's fun 
It's the after show. It's the after after show. Yeah. But I mean, I understand like it's, it's already been three hours, you know, you don't necessarily want to be sitting in front of the fucking thing any longer, but I was like, fuck it. I'm already here. Let's do a few minutes and just chatted with people. And that's why not? Why not? It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a great way for you to kind of interact with this show and Damasteel. And I just finished my Damasteel piece and I had nothing, but uh, it was easy, easy. I was, it was easy to heat treat. It was it heat treated just like AEBL. It ground really easily and hand sanded really easily. It is, it is really awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. So definitely get yourself some of that Damaseal at Damaseal.se and join us next week with Craig on November 18th at Damaseal, the DCI Invitational. And we'll have, we'll have Carly on. Carly's listening to this. Carly, you will be on our show whether you like it or not. Right? I mean... I'm gonna be wearing so. a I'm wearing a shirt and tie and probably my Damasil pants. So <laughs> you know, it's starting to get pretty damn cold here. I should bust those out. Bust I think it's out. it's time to to put those Damasil pants, hammer pants to work. There you go. Okay, we have we got more feedback. We can save some feedback to uh oh. <laughs> I might I wanna save some of this for, for Craig. Uh okay. But uh, we also have, uh, I'm trying to think, we have more questions. We also have, we could save the red flags. I could do one f- red flag so people can start. Let's okay. just, I'm not going to do them all because I want to, I want to have a pile of them and we, I want to give it. So the idea is, is you, you, I love, you hit the, you hit the cough button right when you start coughing. It's oh, great. do I? Yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> sorry, Every man. single one. Sorry, it's, everybody. Oh, don't be sorry. Don't fuck them. Don't worry about that. It'll be all right. <laughs> So a red flag is you've been doing this enough, you've been doing this knife making enough, and you've been dealing with customers enough that you start to notice a pattern when something's not right, when something's Mm. weird, when something's just like, it's always too good to be true, or I've heard this before. So we're trying to compile a pile of red flags that we can just laugh about where you are, you notice when somebody says something or somebody does something, that oh yeah the the your 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 radar goes up that this is some bullshit and we want to avoid it at all costs like here's an example we had uh there's a guy who will say oh i i i need to i need a full tang damascus chef knife and i only use the finest damascus and <laughs> my experience with, because the full tang is stronger right this is the these are some of the red flags that I automatically know is yeah. like if a if a knife a knife maker or knife buyer will if they're really well informed they'll generally know a full tank Damascus knife is kind of a waste of money because if it's because it's just like you're shoving all that steel that beautiful steel into the knife it's just like that's a red flag to me always a red flag to me I don't know if it's a red flag to you but. I think when people get too prescriptive, I think or red flags, it, it has to be You're right. This. Right, right. It has oh. to be that. It has to weigh this. It has to weigh that. Balance has to be here, not there. Yeah, those, those are, are some good. Those are some. You know it when you feel it. Or a guy says, "Oh, I have all these." Actually, I was I was looking back, and um, we you and I were talking about that. I actually it was because there's a. Um, there's a rest. Some of the restaurants in our town are not doing very well. This summer was brutal. This summer, was like sixteen out of th- eleven out of sixteen weekends rained. Right. So there, a lot of these places, especially that outdoor seating, got killed, totally killed, and it really screwed up a lot of businesses. And some of the restaurants in this neighborhood are really having a hard time. 
And I was looking on this Facebook feed and the guy and, the, and these people were just talking. This woman said, you know, I'm, you know, come into my place. I want you to. And then these people were saying, oh, the prices are too high. That's the reason why. I mean, the prices weren't too high. And I was thinking about how is that, you know, translating over with the knife making. You did it again. You're the best. You did it again. I did? You did it again. It's the best. I, I swear to God, I waited. There must be a weird delay on my side. I don't think there's a delay, I but it's, I love it. I love it. it it's a great. So, so I started to think about it because I remember thinking about like somebody read, I, I read about, we, I spoke about this guy who, who was posting about my knives and the woman says, oh, I don't know, I have $300, $500 for a knife. I wouldn't need to. What's interesting is, is people, people who only buy these Wusthof knives or these, you know, these, which is nothing wrong with them, but like, it's like saying, I, I only use these Wusthof knives. The Wusthof knives, or or let's just say any of these giant company knives, it's kind of like the McDonald's of knives. Yes, it's food. <laughs> Ma- no, yeah. it's true because it's, that's I, a perfect I, I, analogy. It is like it it is food. You know, McDonald's <laughs> is food, but it's not the best food, right? And like <laughs> no. I had a customer friend of mine who came in with one of my knives. He he and his family have been using this goddamn knife for two years, and they it's their daily user. And the, the whole family uses it, and they and he came in, and he's just like, well, I've never sharpened it because I was afraid to sharpen it. He had it for two, over two years. I was surprised that it still had a good edge on it. And I, he said to me, he's like, oh, my other knives don't hold up this long. And I was just like, well, you know, most of these these big company knives, they, they heat treat them very, they heat treat them very soft. And because it's probably i don't know i don't know why like i've heard that like wustoff sometimes they'll do to 53 rockwell or something like that no yeah they're pretty soft but but they're tailoring they're tailoring tailoring their design to the lowest common denominator but it is like it's like mcdonald's mcdonald's is food but it's not the best food you're gonna get better food from a local guy who cares about what he's doing than you Mm -hmm. are from this big corporation that's all I, I agree. Want to say. That's, no, that's all. a perfect analogy. I've never thought of that analogy before, but it's perfect. But I mean, it's like there's nothing wrong with McDonald's. <laughs> it's like right. I mean, it, but it, just imagine. It's like, I only whenever I go out, I only go to McDonald's. Like, right. Only? Well, I was. Really? I thought about it because this woman was just, this woman who's selling these exotic, these exotic cookies. I mean, they're expensive t- compared to like a you know famous Amos or like uh, you know David's cookies or some bullshit you know Edmonds. But at the same time, it's just like, well, I mean, she's getting really good ingredients and she's doing a good job and she's trying to pay her people fair wages and stuff like that. And it's like you conditioned to think that everything should be like a 99 cent like bodega cookie when <laughs> that's not the case. But so, yeah, so 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 here's a couple red flags. Uh, this red flag comes from um, LCA Knifeworks. And he says, here's a big red flag when a guy message you, messages you with the name Gary Smith and his grammar and profile picture look like it sounds like um, somebody, somebody, whatever, and somebody named something from the Middle East. Uh, also, if their profile is less than a week old and they have no posts, it's a scam. Yeah, the the yeah, that's a good one. And then uh, Brigham Kendall, our friend Brigham Kendall, says, "Here's a red flag: send a picture of a knife that's a that's mono steel, and then comments, I want a knife." a Damascus knife like this, that is a, that is a red flag. And then I'll read the rest of them. So I'm not, here's an anonymous one. This is, um, um, 
what are the red flags to look for when asked to be on a podcast? I was on one a couple years back and the dynamic was weird and really off. Um, I turn down podcast invitations all the time now because of that first one. Oh, interesting. Who was that? I don't know. It's a it's anonymous. anonymous. Oh, okay. The guy wanted to be anonymous. I got you. Um, yeah. But the funny thing about podcasts too is just because you have a microphone and you post podcasts every week doesn't mean it's good. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like podcasts are almost like a lemonade stand, you know, or something like a tailgate, like a tailgate party is not a restaurant, you know? <laughs> You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, sure. I'm trying to make these analogies, but it's just like, you know, just because you have a podcast doesn't mean you're good. So yeah, the, I mean, what I, if I were this guy, I would, yeah. I would say, I would say, look, sometimes you should just go on a podcast. It's fun, but look at how many podcasts they've done and then listen to them and give them a hundred episodes, give them a year or two. If they've been doing it consistently for a year or two, that means they're trying to get better. And that's always a good starter. I, I turned down a lot of them only because I'm just like, I don't have a lot of time. But then the other time is just like, I had a guy once listen to this podcast who asked me to be a guest on this podcast that he hadn't even started. He hadn't even started a podcast yet. Oh. Okay. And I said to him, like, well, what's your podcast? He's like, well, I haven't even started yet. I'm like, well, now I'm the fuck I'm going to be a guest. <laughs> you got <give> <laughs> to do something, dog. Um, do you have any uh, podcast? You you don't you don't you don't you like you're very generous with your time. Yeah, I am. I'm I'm what well, I'm I'm constantly seeking approval. Really? I need the pat on the head. Oh, <laughs> but you got you get it though. Get it from us. <laughs> get it from us. You, you know. Yeah. You get it from the people who you help. No, I actually I don't I actually don't get asked um, to come do podcasts very often. Because they're all like, you know why? I know exactly why. Why is that? It's because they're all fucking stopping. <laughs> they all start and they all <laughs> quit. They all quit their podcast. They don't. They they don't have the grit to hang out for like a couple of years. They just mm. like they get bored with it. So, uh, well, and then the last one, last one's from Speedster Soves. He says, "Here's a red flag." He says, "The red flag is when they start. Hey, big boy, genuine lady looking to have sex with." <laughs> red flag. So yeah, so send in your red flags better than these ones. Uh send in your red flags, knife talk podcast on Instagram, and uh we will read them to you. Yeah, so. I think I think some of my biggest red flags are always when somebody's too prescriptive or thinks they know every fucking thing about knives or what makes yeah. a quality knife when really they're just a fucking sucker and they've eaten up all the advertisement that's been sold to them or but, placed in front of their faces. Once again, though, the red, we're doing this as a funny bit only because it's yeah. funny. You need experience to understand a red flag. Like, I once, I remember back in the beginning when I was with, when it was just me and Tony, Tony would say, There's this customer, he's interested in a knife. I need you to, you want, can you, I'm going to schedule him time to talk with him and then, you know, try, can I, he's got some questions. And I said, No problem. So I call a guy and, um, he just starts talking and talking and talking, and we're not really getting anywhere. And I realized he doesn't want to buy a knife at all. He's just looking for company. Like, oh, my God. 
he started to say, this is the first time he, he said, can't afford well, the you know, my wife, numbers. my wife, I don't let my, when I buy a knife from you, I only use carbon steel for my protein and I wouldn't let the cleaning lady clean my knives. And it was just like long and I do this and I do that. And it was talking about talking and talking and talking and asking questions. And it was like Jesus. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I'm just like, this guy's not going to buy fucking anything. So it was like, you got to, sometimes it's like, it takes a, takes a while to be like, oh, I'm not doing this again. So, but you know, at the same time, like experience is, experience is underrated. Yeah. So we can go back to questions or, uh. Yeah, let's, we can do a couple more questions, I think. Before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsor, Broadbeck Ironworks. Broadbeck Ironworks are, are, uh, our sponsor. They make great uh, grinders. They make a two by 72 grinder that is dynamite with all their attachments. I'm just setting up their adjustable platen, adjustable work rest. And it is so great. And I use all their, all the products I have. I love them. I love this grinder. So go, go to, uh, broadbackironworks.com and put in the promo code knife talk 10 for 10% off. And from the 15th through the 30th, they're going to have a Black Friday sale. So definitely check out what they have. Lots of sales on all the packages that they have, the mega package, the premium, and the the uh, max package, fully assembled or whatever. They have going to have free attachments thrown in there. And uh, definitely check out what they got. So broadbackironworks.com. Nice. You ready for this next question? All the time, my brother. All right. This is from Devin Sheridan. Question. I'm fairly new to making Damascus, and I'm having a lot of delaminations at the end. I expected some, but feel that I'm getting a lot. I typically weld the billets at the corners only. Is there a better way, or do I add length, expecting more loss? So I think what he's saying, so he welds up his billet, and he probably throws a handle on or whatever, and he's forging it out, and as he's forging it out, at the end of the billet, at either end of the billet, there's material that's not necessarily welded together properly okay do you ever have this experience i the only experience i have had is that when i see the edges i see the high carbon steel is forging out more than the high nickel steel um i've had made the times i have made damascus i have had delaminations and that was because it wasn't hot enough and then the material wasn't clean enough, I guess. Or I don't think it was not hot enough. I didn't just think mm. I did it right. No. So this is a this is a you problem. This is a you answer. This is a you problem. <laughs> it's not a you problem. This is a <laughs> you as in you're the fucking guy who's going to answer the question. Uh, I so I, I think there's always going to be loss at the end, and that is something that everybody should account for, even when you're you know doing multiple rounds of forging, and even when you get down to your your last mosaic bar there's potentially still going to be some loss that you have to account for or try to account for and going to have to cut away. And so um, for me, often, it's usually like the last, I don't know, inch and a half or so of material. That's just as you forge it down, like my billet stacks start as four and a quarter inches tall, inch and a half wide, and about five inches long. So as I'm reducing that down height-wise and compressing that down, say I'm just multiplying it up for... Um, for random pattern Damascus is just some of the simplest patterns you can make. Um, as you draw that billet down, you're going to get kind of like this squeeze out at the end. And it's just, it's just what happens because of the way you're moving the material. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, you're going to get a little bit of squeeze out. I honestly, he does 
welds on every corner. I only do one line down each end, and that's it. And uh, well, uh, sorry, let me back that up. That's not it. I do a little bit of attack across uh, on the faces, uh, essentially creating what like a quarter inch or three eighths of an inch thick plate. Uh, but I'm not fully welding the across the the length of the side. I'm just tacking in a couple spots um, at the top and at the bottom because if you don't do that, and it's, especially if you have thin like 15 and 20 or even eighth inch 1080 on the outside, as the billet heats up, that material is going to start bowing pretty actually surprisingly dramatically. Right. And by pinning them in place and tacking them like that, um, that helps prevent that. And it creates the effect of having a thick plate of steel on the outside of about a quarter of an inch to three eighths of an inch thick. Now, you don't have to do a weld all the way across the whole face on, on, on the sides. You just need to do that quarter to three eighths of an inch um, at the top and in the bottom on each side of the billet. And then I put a handle on. That's the welding I do, um, but I don't get too crazy. And, but I'm, you know, there's always going to be that uh, schmutz basically at the end. And those are, you know, Damascus makers and knife makers who make Damascus and, and making knives, the, this is where they get like those weird canister. I think somebody referred to it as graveyard steel, but it's just like all these end cuts and these cut off chunks and stuff like that. They just, it, they, it's sad to watch them like sit in a bucket or feel like they're going to waste. And so they'll reconstitute it back together and make, um, they'll make a new canister Damascus out of it with all these end cuts and end bits in it um, that still have an interesting pattern and whatnot. Uh, I think the hope is that the pat, the interesting portion of the pattern is facing out, but you just kind of never know if you're just kind of just throwing it all together in there. Shit Any, bars. What's that? Call it shit bars. Shit bars. Yeah. I, I honestly, I'm not, I've only seen a couple of those shit bars that, um, <laughs> that I've actually thought were interesting. Otherwise the most of them end up just looking like shit for the yeah, most part to shit me. Bars. <laughs> so, hence the name, hence the name. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, you just kind of have to account for that. And you, you want to cut off as little as you possibly can off your billet once you forge it down to a... So I have my start billet, right? Four and a quarter inches tall, inch and a half wide, five inches long. Say I forge that out into a bar. Um, I, if, if I take it down to, say, an inch by an inch and a half or whatever, there's going to be about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half of the end of the billet that's just going to be shit. And that's it's pieces that didn't well, like you, he's experiencing here. They're not necessarily delaminations. It's not steel that stuck together and then came back apart. They just never came together in the first place. That's all right. It's just, it's part of it. It's just part of the cost of making Damascus. Um, there are probably some ways to try to prevent that, but it's, it's challenging. Uh, you could try canning the whole billet, uh, which is basically wrapping the whole thing up in either some sort of sacrificial material or something. Um, but even still, um, you're going to be cutting shit off at the end. Uh, even I was just working with Steve Schorzer, um, back in August. Uh, I was down in Florida at the hottest time of the year and, <laughs> and we made a canister billet and we canned the whole thing up. But at the end, we still had to cut off like a three quarters of an inch or an inch of the end of the billet. That's just, again, that's part of that sacrifice of getting good material and getting good controlled pattern. Um, 
there are going to be some sacrifices along the way of schmutz, basically shit at the end of the bar that just aren't going to play. Experience is underrated. I mean, experience that's kind of like, I, I feel as though you need that experience of like, I, it happens. Then you ask a couple questions and you say, how can I, how can I change or how can I make adjustments? Mm -hmm. And then you kind of move forward. You sure. know, as opposed to just hitting your head, hitting, banging your head against the wall every time it happens and not adjusting. Right. There you go. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, if you were going to do some CNC stuff, you should get yourself over to knifeprint.com. If you want to learn about CNC, if you want to learn about being able to make your knives on a computer, then send it to a company. They, you don't have to have any experience with CAD. You don't have to have experience with water jets or anything like that. Knifeprint.com is for you. No downloading software, licensing agreements, great entry point to simple and easily designing knives using their software design for knife making. Hit the render button and it'll show you exactly what it's going to look like in 3D. Spin it around, make corrections easily, and then press print. And it'll cut, off, it'll cut it off for you. Somebody will cut it up and stick it in the mail for you. It's great and easy to website to use. A lot of our friends have been using it. And if you go to uh, knifeprint.com, they also have a great YouTube series with our friend Dennis Tyrell, who shows you how to use, um, use the programming, which is very easy. I know we have a, a lot of our listeners have been using it, and it's been really great. So go to knifeprint.com and get yourself squared away. And it's a great way to figure out how you want to move forward in uh, your knife making process. So nice. check out knifeprint.com. So uh, you want to do one more and get the fuck out of here? Do yeah, a little after show? Yeah, let's uh, do it. You know, which one do you want to do? You want to do the next one? Magic Kick Knives? Sure. Okay, Magic Kick Knives says, Hey guys, I got a question for you. I've been having a little bit of trouble when it comes to brass and glue. I often use brass liners for spacers on my handles. However, I have a hard time getting the epoxy to stick. Uh, so I try roughing it up with various uh, varieties of grits. I also draw small holes so the glue can grab. It's not always an option for the handles. I'm just wondering if you guys have any tips. So brass and glue are not friendly at all. No, yeah, and I think roughing it up is the way to go. You probably don't want to go any rougher than 220, though, I would guess. Right. What do you think? I don't know, man. I, I, the, the problem is, the problem isn't just the, it's never really the brass, the glue. It's the heat when you're starting grinding it off. Yeah. Brass, it does. It does. Yeah, you're right. Go ahead. Brass, I mean, that's when I get nervous. That's the reason why when I use, I only use brass Corby's because they finish really easily. Right. But I don't grind them off with the grinder. I always cut excess off with the bandsaw. Because any extra heat on the brass is going to potentially, you know, move all the way through the Corby, and I don't want it to affect the epoxy. Right. So the hardest part is making sure that there's, with the heat, is there's, you're not adding extra friction that will make the brass uh, hot. That, that's one thing. And then with the liners, I would pop as many holes as you can so the glue can go in between. Like if you're doing a brass liner for a, a, a fixed knife, full tang knife, I would be popping holes left and right. I'd be throwing so many fucking holes in there to the point where it's almost even not a liner. You know, just because, or, you know, like Swiss cheese, just because I want as much epoxy and grip in there as possible. Right. Yeah, and it looks like, mm, I see why it might be somewhat of a concern. I'm just looking at Magic, Magic Kick's page. I think, so the their 
it looks like a lot of the brass is being used. Uh, like there's a, a spacer, so he'll have a, a wooden handle, and then maybe an inch below where the blade or the handle transitions to the blade, or vice versa. Um, there's a there's a different kind of handle material, um, or wood, or or synthetic, or whatever it is, and then it's lined on either side with the brass. But if the glue isn't sticking to that, there could be potential issues with that being a weak point where the glue might pop mm. um my suggestion would be to use indexing pins at that point which ah. is which would be a pin and it, it doesn't have to be massive but a 16th like a yeah like a 16th inch pin that would go on through that spacer and through uh, through that you know alternate handle material as well as um the brass spacers and then into the handle material that will help to kind of strengthen that area. Or and if you can afford to put a couple in there on either side, four all all together, it's it's a a little bit of extra work for sure. But you have a lot more confidence in um, that being good and solid. Honestly, another construction technique that would work is you you see people do these uh, Japanese handles with the dowel. You can do the same thing with a Western handle. Honestly, there's no reason you can't. You just got to be careful when you're sculpting the handle that you don't get down to that core where that dowel and the glue and the tang and all that stuff's happening. But that dowel acts basically as a large indexing pin that goes through all of the handle material to help get add, along with the glue, add some rigidity and strength and, and of course, the tang, uh, but to that area so that it is less likely to uh, flex off or have any issues. There you go. I think we've done enough. I think we've done enough. Yeah, I think we did it. Guys, next week, we're going to see you at the DCI Invitational. Join us. Go to damasteel.se. Sign up. Register for free. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. And then (laughs) hang out with us on the 18th, uh, and we can have some fun. All right? Guys, we're going to see you next week on Knife Talk. I gotta tell you, that was I was hoping for a sounder, but I ain't getting none. I have to tell you this story about the first time I went to my my parents. I was just gonna ask you about that. Yeah, my parents went away. So in the beginning of the show, you're gonna go away for your with your with your wife. You guys are gonna have a great time. You have to you have to make sure you have a great time. Make sure you have a great time. Okay. My parents, you dropped me off at my grandparents' house. I must have been eight or nine, something like that. Maybe even younger. I'm not 100% sure. And my grandfather was obviously old. He's an old, older Italian guy. And I love my grandfather. My grandfather is like outstanding. And he introduced me to the neighbors. They had these two boys whose nicknames, my grandfather nicknamed them. One was Fat, and he named him Chubby. (laughs) And the other one was Tough, and he called him Tuffy. So it was Tuffy and Chubby. Okay. So, <laughs> and then I would make the mistake of thinking their names were Chuffy and Tub- Chuffy and Tubby, but there was Tubby and Chuffy. Tubby, it was Tubby, it was Chubby and Tuffy, Chubby and Tuffy. <laughs> so my dad, so my grandfather says, go, go play with, you know, Chubby and Tuffy. And I was like, okay. So they had, I didn't know any better. There was right across the, you know, way, whatever. I was little. I guess they had BB guns. 
And I never saw a BB gun before. And they were shooting cans with a BB gun. And all of a sudden, I feel this arm grab me, a hand grab my shoulder. And my grandfather, he, Jeffrey William Fader, come with me. And he grabbed me. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is going on? I had no idea. I watched this fucking BB gun thing. I had no idea what was going on. Okay. Next thing you know, my grandfather says, I can't believe you went up there. I can't believe you went over there. And so he told me to go over there. He told me to go. And I didn't know what was going on. He brought me up to his room and he says, you're not supposed to play with the, you know, the, obviously my grandmother yelled at him. How, how is this kid out there with a BB gun? You know, I didn't even touch the BB gun. Yeah. And my grandfather brings me up to his room. He says, get onto my lap. And he goes, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He spanked me. I'd never been spanked before with the back <laughs> of a brush. The back of a brush. Now, this oh. is the second day I was with my grandparents. My parents went away for a week. And the second day, I got fucking beat up. And I had no <laughs> idea why. And I had no idea why. I could not understand why I was getting spanked. I'd heard about spankings from like little, the little rascals. I'd never been spanked before. And I was like, I'd never been away from my parents for this long. I'm getting spanked for no other reason. I have no idea. And it was fucking terrible. And, I was like, and, and then afterwards, my mom picks me up and they're all tan. They went to the beach or we went to the Caribbean they or something like that. They were in the Caribbean. <laughs> they were in the Caribbean. My, oh, my dad, they went to St. Saint, uh, Bart's. And my dad was fucking taking pictures of these topless people and these topless ladies at the beach. It was like pathetic. It comes back. My mother says, my mother says, Jeff, Jeffrey, how was the trip? How was the grandparent? Well, he spanked me. And my mother said, what? I'm like, yeah, grandpa spanked me. I don't know why. He brought me up to his room. He fucking said, this is going to hurt me more. He's going to hurt you. He spanked the shit out of me. It was murder in the house. My mother went out of her mind. But it was, I just remember being excited to be hanging out with my grandparents. Right. And I went right into a fucking spanking and I did not know why. And my grandfather was really like, he fucked up, but he didn't know why he fucked up. So it wasn't clear to me why I was getting spanked, but they beat the, they beat the brakes off me, frankly, with the back, the back of a brush. Jesus. First time I ever spent time with my how, grandparents. It was terrible. Yeah. How old were you again? Probably eight. I gotcha. Yeah. It was old school. It was fucking weird. And it really That's said so it, weird. What's it weird said, is like your grandpa was like, yeah, go play with the kids. Right? What the fuck did you do? Go, exactly. Why did you go over there and play with those I kids? Don't, I don't <laughs> think that he thought there were BB guns going on. Uh-huh. But he was a hunter. Like he was a gun guy. So it was like all of it didn't make sense. But yeah. I think it was just like my grandmother must have seen me out the window and said, Bill, why is he over this? You can't be over there with the BB guns. And grandpa didn't know what to do except for beat the brakes off me. So... I got. I he gave it to me. So he, you get your middle name from him. Yes, good call. Yes, I get my w- middle. I get my middle name from my mother's father, who I loved. He was the guy who taught me how to cook. He was a big paella guy. He was a big cook and stuff like that. But gotcha. I was just when you were saying, eh, I'm gonna let him up. All of a sudden, I thought, oh, my first time spending time with my grandparents. When my parents went away. I got fucking beat up. Yeah, <laughs> beat up by grandpa. well i mean i honestly i grew up in a house with corporal punishment where you know you fuck up you get your hand slapped you get your face slapped you get your ass slapped all kinds of shit and uh yeah we've 
Yeah, and fortunately, Sarah's parents are on board with this. Too. <laughs> and, and, oh, really? Well, no, 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 not doing that. All oh, any of that good. Stuff. Okay, because like, there's yeah. so much like so much more understanding. Because, and honestly, like I struggle because that's how I grew up. Right. Uh, and I, I don't want to hit my kid, but no. sometimes when I'm frustrated about something that's going on, that's the first place my brain goes, and then I'm like, whoa, I need to slow the fuck down because. He's a little kid. He's a little guy. And the way that, like, there's so much information and in, in studies about how the developing brain works and how it processes information and shit like that. And it's like hitting them doesn't do a fucking thing. Oh, it I mean, it makes maybe it. in the short term right now, like, yeah, sure. Maybe Dude, it makes butterfly them stop. effect in parenting is that's a real thing. It's like for fucking real. It's and it's real not even, it's also generational. Thing. That's the weird part. That's we just finished. We, my Hillary and I are doing the victory lap, and it's because we did not pass on any generational traumas to our kid. But you know what? It is acceptable is the goon arm. You know how to goon arm. Goon, you, you can goon with, arm your kid, and that's okay. What's the goon arm? Well, you elbow Where them in the arm. They're doing something, and then you kind of use your, your, your hand, your dominant hand, usually. Okay. Oh no, no, it doesn't have to be dominant. Your thumb and middle finger, and you grab them right above the elbow and say, "Get! What are you doing? Get over here!" That's the goon arm. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, when, okay. You know, right above the elbow, there's that kind of soft spot, and you kind of grab them there, and then you <laughs> you you just apply just a small amount of pressure that they know that this is not the normal way you're being uh, approached by your parent. The yeah. goon arm is acceptable. I got you. Goon hand. It's called a goon hand. Goon hand is acceptable. That's like, get over here. What are you doing? You know, you know, they're, they're, you're in the supermarket and they're like, you know, you know, sitting in the toilet paper aisle or you're grabbing stuff off the counter or something, doing something oh, else is doing. You, you goon arm them. Goon, get over here. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think the reason my mom hit is because her mom hit. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I, I don't blame my mom for getting frustrated. She was like a single mom right. for several years with three little kids. Of course. Anytime she went to a fucking department store, the kids were going and hiding in the clothes racks and shit like that. And she just needed to do a little bit of shopping. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. My and brother then, was worse than me, and I was bad. Wow. But anyway. Well, look. So don't, don't, I, it'll be just, good. It'll be fine. You're, no, it's going to be great. Your they grandparents spoil the shit are not going to... They're not going to fucking paddle him. They're not going to, no. Victor's not going to get the back of the broom at the back of the brush. Don't worry about that. No, no, no. I'm not worried about that at all. That's no, funny. it's going to be good. I think, I think for him and maybe for my wife a little bit, it's going to be a, like mentally challenging. Tough. Yeah, because this is a new thing where I don't know if it's a dad. Yeah, I, it, I don't think it's a hard, fast food rule for dads. But for me, I'm like, oh, thank God. I need to get a little bit of well, a break. <laughs> there's going to be a little bit of, there's going to be that feeling of homesickness. Yeah. You know, of like, it's not the right thing. And they're going to ask me a question that I'm not used to. And they're going to suggest, oh, you don't, you don't eat peas? You know, there's going to be this weird, there'll be some weird trying moments of like, you know, the grandparents will do something that, victor might not be used to in terms yeah. of like oh we don't do that here and then you're just like what do you mean my grandfather was furious <laughs> at me because i farted and i remember <laughs> farting which he is doesn't want, he doesn't want to smell the inside of your he asshole. said he said jeffrey william fader if you're going to do that in this house you got to go to the bathroom i'm like i gotta go to the bathroom to fart but it was like it was not the best of trips because like <laughs> 
I'm getting beat up from doing what he told me to, and then I'm getting yelled at for farting in the outside of the bathroom. Can you imagine? Jeffrey William Fader, we don't do that in this house. What are you yeah. talking about? You're not allowed to fart? Well, fortunately, my wife's parents live like 20 minutes down the road, and we spend a lot of time with them. And he's he has spent the night out there before and, uh, and has spent lots of time at their house. And so actually, when we moved back from Connecticut, we lived at their house for right. about six months. Right. So he's very familiar with them and their house and the rules and all that shit. And in fact, he, he expressed a little concern. He's like, I'm, I'm going to miss my Legos. And it's like, well... I'm sure grandma and grandpa would, because they come into town basically every day anyway. So I'm like, yeah, I think it would be fine if you guys just came into town and hung out at the house and made Legos and shit like that. But you're going to have to go back to their house to stay the night. He'll be fine. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. Good grandparents know what the fuck to do. They're not going to yell at him for farting. They're not going to (laughs) paddle him for going to visit them. I mean, can you imagine? Victor. You're not allowed to fart in this house. What? I'm only seven. What are you talking about? I can't control. I'm going to hold it in all night. We, we are trying to reel that in because he just like, he's like a loose cannon all yeah, over he's the fucking place. Fucking Texas just, wind. What are you going to yeah, do? He's Texan winding his ass left I mean, and right. God bless him. <laughs> I mean, the, you got to teach him to blame the dog. Up. You got to teach him to blame the dog. Ah, look for, we don't, we don't have here. a dog yet. but Well, here, there, don't they have the a dog? Oh, they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you got to teach him. You got to <laughs> drop one. You got to so, uh, Molly over there. You know, maybe you got to take her out for a, a walk. What are you feeding that dog? Smells like dog shit. Over what here. are you feeding that dog, Grandpa? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Can you imagine Victor letting one rip and then everyone looks at him? He's just like, "What are you feeding that dog?" Jesus, Grandpa. <laughs> That'd fucking be, dog that'd be hilarious that'd be so good if you <laughs> farted and blamed the dog that would be the best <laughs> you know what would be better if he lifted a leg and it was clearly him and then just like bad dog bad dog bad dog oh my god uh, all right well listen guys we've said enough that's it that's it bad dog all right guys we will see you next week at the Davis Steel Invitational Bye for now. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.